You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Middle of the week. Glad everybody's joining us on the line you want to call in and join the show call in at 334-321-1390 find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater levi how's your wednesday going it's going pretty well no complaints here i mean the nc dinos of the korean baseball organization they're back in it two and a half games out of first place i'm excited they are on the climb to repeat as kbo champions (laughs) they're on the climb they're ready to go 17 and 15 two games above 500 you love to see it Wow, already 32 games into a season. I mean, you you either keep up or get left behind. I'm telling you, hop on the train right now. There's still room for you, just like the Malik Willis hype train. He'll be the future NFL number one pick next year. You can hop on right now with me if you want to. He won't be the number one overall pick, but I would not be shocked if he's a first-round draft pick next year. Just with the way everybody's evaluating him, the hype train has left the station you just wonder if his draft stock can sustain that through the course of a season, but he'll get his opportunity to play some Power 5 teams on his schedule at Liberty. We're also keeping up with some Auburn football news here with you. UAB grad transfer Tony Fair set to make his decision today. Any moment now, I thought it was supposed to happen around 2 p.m. today, which is when we go on air. He's making his decision or announcing his decision of where he's transferring to on Instagram. Auburn joined among teams such as Purdue and Ole Miss inside his top three he's about to make his decision you're keeping your eye on that on Instagram yeah I've got I've got Instagram over here locked and loaded I am keeping my eyes on it but you know what they say if you're not early you're late and we are two minutes past curfew right here he's not making a good first impression on me I don't know if he said it exactly at 2 p.m but I know around one o'clock you started seeing stuff on Twitter like he was about to make his decision in the next hour or so. I, I don't know when it's coming, but... We'll be committing Tuesday at 2 p.m. Did it's, he say that? He said that on his Instagram. And it's 2 p.m. Where you at? Where it's you past at? 2 p.m. Mm, 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 it's 2.02 mm, mm, mm. p.m. I don't deal with tardiness. Never. <laughs> Even though I was voted most likely to be late to graduation, I don't deal with tardiness very well. Take me through that. Why were you? Because I was late. Poor management skills, I guess. You know, time management was never my thing. It was always funny because you look at it and were we you were... you voted anything else in Beulah's class of what was it? When did you graduate? 2013. Yeah, no, we only, we made sure to only do one per person just so everybody could be represented. And it was funny because graduating as class valedictorian, you would think, yeah, that guy's going to be voted most likely to succeed. You were no. valedictorian? It's like 60-something kids, man. It's really not that I much. I don't care. <laughs> But yeah, like kudos. You, that's something I'm going to write that down in my book of things I didn't know about Levi. There's a lot. Wink. Don't make this weird. <laughs> Don't make this weird. But no, yeah, you would think that you know, graduating up towards the top of the class, you'd be voted most likely to succeed. Nope. 
that's how terribly late I am to most things. It's gotten better with old age. I've actually worked on. Well, were you on time to your speech? Did you get to give a speech? I did get to give a speech. I was on time to graduation, luckily. But it's typically like there's a trend of when I start coming on time to things. Earlier in the morning, you start seeing there's a later Levi. But as things go towards, you know, the afternoon, the nighttime, I start coming on time a little bit more because it's typically it's just getting me up in the morning because, again, anything past noon, it might like the sun's not even up for me at that point. It might as well be five o'clock for me if it's anything before noon. Well, we're stalling right now, of course, to see if he'll make his decision so we can talk about it. He still hasn't made it. That's what we call filler bustering. (laughs) Tony Fair still hasn't announced. No, No, nothing yet. Nothing yet on the Tony Fair hype train. So. We'll see. We'll keep you guys What's updated. What's your projection as it comes. for it then? I mean, I, I'm I, thinking Auburn. I feel like it's got to be Auburn. I feel like Auburn is the place that he'd want to come. I've been proven wrong before, so I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning towards Auburn, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if he pulled a Purdue and went back home to his home state of Indiana. I, it feels good playing college. Fo- I, mean, I assume it feels good playing college football in your home state. You got a lot more eyes on you. Especially when you went around from Indiana State to UAB, and now you're you're in a Power Five conference at a you know well known university and program in Purdue. If I'm guessing, it's Auburn or Purdue because Ole Miss has ten starters returning on the defensive side of the football, so he's entering a similar situation as he would be at Auburn if he were to go to Ole Miss. And why not choose the more high profile SEC school? And you can stay in state. You can stay in state. And a lot of the people who have watched you at UAB. I, I assume keep up with Auburn and Alabama football, so they're going to keep up with you as well. They're going to know your name, and you're going to have you're going to have some eyes that you have in your year, you know, in your time here at UAB. You're going to have people that in relationships that you've cultivated, you know, classmates, friends. Point. They're going to be keeping an Future eye on you. Future business partners. They keep an eye on you, and uh, saying you know, once you graduate, and saying that say you don't make it to the next level or your NFL career ends, doesn't pan out, what have you, saying you played at Auburn or Alabama in this state alone. It, it can go a long way when uh, you're right. trying to get those when you're networking out there and trying to get those jobs. So that could be a big thing if he wants to stay in the state. If he wants to go back to Indiana, it makes a lot of sense to go to Purdue. If he wants to go to Ole Miss and think and he thinks that they don't really they might be returning starters, but uh, they didn't look very good last year. So I could probably play on that line. But I think the same can be said about Auburn's defensive line. Exactly, but it just depends on what he values, and that's one of those uh, that's one of those things where. You never know. You never know what you never know what the guy on the inside thinks until he says it. You don't know what he's valuing. That's one of those things where when I know me and you, and you know this for, for certainty, when you were playing those NCAA games and you're going through the recruiting process and it says like five star for proximity to home. Like he they value proximity to home a lot. They value national relevance. And like it has all the things that they they value. You really don't know that that much in real life. Like at least like the the public doesn't know that coaches probably understand that after talking to them, but you never really uh, you never really see stuff like that in real life, so you never know what's inside their head. We're still waiting on seeing UAB grad transfer Tony Fair announcing his decision on Instagram. At least as we continue to refresh, we will let folks know when UAB grad transfer Tony Fair makes his decision and whether or not that is Auburn, Ole Miss, or Purdue. Yesterday. Auburn had their ambush event in Birmingham, and something interesting was said.
from Alan Green and some of these other coaches. And the vibe that I got when NIL was brought up in Birmingham yesterday was what that this Auburn team is currently, or not just this Auburn team, but this Auburn Athletics Department might be just a little bit behind the curve right now in the discussion and in the trends regarding around NIL, considering they're still trying to formulate a program on helping these players make money in the future. But you look at some other schools out there in college football, Alabama most notably, and more recently, they've already released programs. Yet Auburn here still trying to formulate and create one. I'm not trying to create a narrative here or you know, blow this way out of proportion because I'm sure Auburn will have something together by the start of next football season. But I find it interesting that Auburn doesn't already have one and in-state rival Alabama already does. It, I mean, you're behind the curve. I mean, if, if I'm looking at this, say I'm in that position and I have no allegiance to any university and I'm just looking at it and sitting here going, hmm, this, this team's going to prepare me for the future and help, you know, help me with you know, the financial side of things that has never really been done before. If that's something that is big to a recruit, we were just talking about, it depends on what, what the recruit values. And I'm just going to go ahead and you know, take a wild leap here that most recruits, as do most people in this country, they want to not, you know, they want to have security when they graduate they, or when they're moving on into their adult years in life. They want to have financial security. That doesn't mean that everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to have an immense amount of me- wealth. You just want to be comfortable and have security and know what you're doing and know how to budget, know how to do these things. And it's it's big. It's big that Auburn is a little bit behind on this curve. It's it's really it's really big for you know the other schools like Alabama who can take advantage of that. It 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 hurts. It hurts Auburn a lot whenever they're behind a little bit. So you you want to get this done as soon as like you want to get this kind of figured out as soon as possible and get these things going. Because if you fall behind, even if it even if it's only a few years that you're behind, you're like that can be the difference. You have two, you know, say two bad recruiting classes. You're, I mean, like that's that's two years. I mean, that's that's a that's a junior and senior upper class that maybe isn't as talented as talented as it should be. All of the coaches and Alan Green, the athletic directors, so you had Alan Green, Brian Harson, and Bruce Pearl yesterday talking about this and they all said that they've got a commitment to or I'm paraphrasing here they all basically brought up their commitment towards helping their athletes find the best way to to make money off of their name image and likeness to be able to utilize that to their fullest potential in college the big thing is nobody really brought up how to do that and they're talking about how they're still interpreting the law that Governor K. Ivey just signed from Bill into law, and they're still formulating a plan and a program around that. I just found that interesting considering you see other programs across the nation like USC, Florida State, Alabama, traditional powers. They have already launched their programs. Recruits see that, and they know that they're at the cutting edge of trends, and it feels like Auburn's being a little bit more reactionary here than proactive, but we'll get to that later because you just brought up, you just gave me the thumbs up, UAB grad transfer Tony Fair has made his decision. Yeah, and he has decided to come to Auburn University. He will be playing for the Tigers come in the fall, 
So that is another pickup for Auburn in the transfer portal. You're getting a replaces Jay Hardy. Yeah, you get into you lost the guy in the transfer portal. You go right back to it, and another one pops right out for you. A 335 pound at least. I think he's trying to trim down from a little bit more than that down to 335 pounds. But in some of the evaluations, the articles that we've seen written about Tony Fair, six foot three, 335 pound grad transfer, defensive tackle slash nose tackle. Wouldn't be shocked if he ends up playing nose tackle for Auburn next year. He's now making his way to the Plains from just a little bit north out of Birmingham, Alabama, where he was just playing at UAB. This is good for Auburn from a depth standpoint. I don't think we're going to see him start. I don't think that we're going to see him be towards the top of the depth chart, but I do think that he's a nice role player, a nice depth piece where you can insert him onto the field in certain packages or when a guy needs a break, you can get him out there and you're really not giving up a whole lot from a football IQ standpoint because the guy's been in football for five, six years now. He's an old man in the game he's been around the block he knows he should be an easy transition onto the field and if you deal with any types of injuries throughout the regular season I don't think you're going to miss a whole lot on the defensive line unless somebody ends up having a standout wrecking cruise type season along the defensive line I think that he'll add you some solid depth that's what you're getting in Tony Fair and that's just a that's a ceiling play I mean if he comes in and shows out throughout you know the you know, throughout some practices and get catches the attention of he'll the find coaching more staff. Playing time. He'll find more playing time, and if he shows it in game, he'll find he'll find even more playing time than that. So, like, I, I think it's a very good move because I think really what you're looking at the floor play right here. It just kind of feels like you're getting a good depth rotational piece that he doesn't have upside in terms of years left, but he has veteran. You know, he has veteran presence that's always good on a football team. And if he comes in, shows out, gets the coaches on the side of things and plays well, he'll climb up, he'll have more playing time. It did seem like this was kind of a hard decision for him in terms of coming to, like staying here in the South and going back towards Indiana at Purdue because he did note on his Instagram that he wanted to thank every coach for finding interest in me, especially Coach Hagan at Purdue. He was the first man to find and appreciate my value at JUCO. So you can, like, it just seems like to me reading into that, it feels like this was a bit of a hard decision and we were talking about value, what they value. It seemed that he valued a winning culture and wanted to come to Auburn because he does book in that with let's go get a nat let's go get a natty with all the emojis to boot. So it does seem like that's what he valued more so than going back home and well, going Auburn's probably closer to that than Ole Miss and Purdue, but I would say it's not it's not that Auburn is close to that right now, but it is They're closer. They are closer. It's the Kentucky logic, right? Yeah. Say, say we're close. <laughs> You're you're closer than most. Yes, you are. Yes, so it's not. It's <laughs> Auburn's still waiting on some other guys out there. Most notably, Donovan Kaufman, the Vanderbilt safety transfer. Auburn's still waiting on him. We don't have an official decision date for him said yet. Could happen in the next couple of weeks. Could happen in the next month. You never know on that front. He hasn't officially announced anything there. I find it interesting though, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. And anybody else out there? Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Auburn coming into the season, even without all of the additions that they've added on the grad transfer front, they brought back a lot of experience on the defensive side of the football. You bring in Derek Mason as your defensive coordinator. Folks were already excited 
about what the defense could look like this upcoming year, even without all of the guys coming in from the outside, even without this recruiting class, even without the grad transfers, even without all of these transfers, period, you were still excited about what you had coming back, that this could have a bounce-back season on the defensive side of the football from where they were at last year, just with what you had returning and what you had coming in with Derek Mason as your defense coordinator. But Auburn has made no moves in the transfer portal on the offensive side of the ball. What gives? I think that I think that's kind of a testament to Brian Harson and his offensive mind. He probably looks at it and he he likes the talent that's there. They've just underperformed because I mean you think about it, they're not. There's but not, you didn't like the talent on the defensive side of the football. But that's because I think you have to like that more than what you had on the offensive side, right? Again, it comes to a bit more of the ego side of things. When I look at offensive coaches, you typically see a bit of an ego where it comes in, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. It's just. Brian Harson's a smart guy when it comes to offense. He's always, I mean, he was an offensive coordinator through Boise State with Chris Peterson. He Texas as well. He's the guy who drew up, or he's the guy who called the Statue of Liberty and the hook and ladder plays in that, you know, famed Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. So like, I think in his mind, it's kind of like the way I see Sean Payton at in the NFL or a guy like Shanahan, where they always think that they can get that out of these guys. And maybe Derek Mason just looks at it and says, you know, I can get it out of these guys, but... uh. I'll definitely take some more talent. I'll definitely get some more guys coming in. He's had the green light in the transfer portal. Yeah, he's been he able is. to just go and get whoever he wants. And maybe there, maybe there's not any guys that they've seen that they felt like they could get out of the transfer portal off, like on the offensive side that really benefited them too much. Maybe there just wasn't a guy that they looked at and said, maybe they're being choosier on that side of the ball. Yeah, maybe they didn't like the crop out there on that yeah, side of the and football. Re- they were just like realistically, like we don't really like any of these players. Maybe outside of one or two. And they were already gone by the time we kind of got in here, or it was a little too late in the game for us to get it. That makes a little bit more sense for it for me that maybe they were just kind of like, I don't really like these guys. I think we can get it. Like, I think we can do, I think what we have is better over here, or if not better, the same. And we don't have to really like up a guy. You don't have to burn a scholarship. You don't got to upper a guy, bring him in here. Let's just work with what we got this year because they did kind of get a little late. And maybe, Maybe they just missed out on the guys that they wanted offensively early on because they were here a little bit later on. Maybe they feel like some of the defensive players that they're bringing in have more of a potential to step in and play and contribute more than maybe some of the offensive guys that they see out there. Coming up on the show at 2.30, we'll have Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. We'll get his thoughts on Tony Fair, UAB grad transfer, committing to Auburn and announcing his decision to transfer to Auburn for his final year of college football. We'll also get his thoughts on that conversation that we were having just a moment ago about Auburn and the NIL rules that are sweeping across college football seems like Auburn's a little bit behind on that front when you look at some of the other programs in college football we'll get his thoughts on that later on in the show coming up at 2 30 that's Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com when we come back we'll talk a little Auburn baseball Auburn softball losing in the first round of the SEC tournament Auburn baseball has a midweek class with Sanford coming up this afternoon all that and more coming up on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also able to watch the show on Facebook on Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama at ESPN 106.7. And now joining us on the line, different day than normal. We got him on Wednesday, but we missed you last Friday. It's good to have you on the line with us, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. It's good to be back. How are you guys? Doing good, doing good. And uh, you, you should be off for... Uh, for for some vacation as well. How's, how's the first couple of weeks away from school been, my man? 
Yeah, it's been good not having to not having classes has been nice. I'm taking some summer classes, so in a couple of weeks I'll start back up again. But it's been nice to have a little bit of stuff off the table for a little bit. Brutal summer classes that was never a part of my agenda during uh, during my college days, but. It's good to have you on the line with us, man. I appreciate it. We saw Auburn land the commitment of UAB grad transfer Tony Fair. We saw him make his commitment just a few moments ago or really about 20 minutes ago. Take me through what he will add to the program for Auburn. Yeah, so he's really a depth pickup, but I do think he is a very important and a very good depth pickup in that um, in the new system that Derek Mason has, having a nose tackle is of vital importance and they felt pretty good about the two they had in Tyrone Truesdale and Jeremiah Wright. And then Jeremiah Wright went down with the torn ACL. Um, and then you saw another guy who could potentially fill that role in Jay Hardy leaving the transfer portal. So they decided that they need to go out and find somebody, and they found somebody pretty close to Auburn in Tony Fair. And I think he's very good. I think he's about as good, if not maybe a little bit better than Truesdale at that nose tackle spot. So I think you'll see him a decent amount on the field this season. Is there a chance that he could start in that case? I believe so. I think those two really might split snaps this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. He is, like, rearing to get here. I believe he gets here May 29th before the summer meetings even start. So he'll be here quick, getting ready to work out and really competing for that starting spot. What other players or positions could we see Auburn attack in the transfer portal? I know Donovan Kaufman's still out there among some other names, but is Auburn's time done in the transfer portal, or are there some other names that they might attack, which appears to be exclusively all defensive players this year? Yes, yeah, so uh, things are actually heating up in the transfer portal for Auburn. Um, Jeffrey Lee of AuburnSports.com wrote about this for us earlier this week, but Auburn has three spots remaining in the class, one of which just went to Tony Fair. But they're planning to add as many as seven more in the class and using blue shirt scholarships that would initially count towards the 2022 class. They're looking to load up. Um, Marcus Allen from Kansas, who just entered the portal as a defensive lineman, Auburn wants to go get him. They want to go get Donovan Kaufman. You brought him up. Um, They're looking to add a veteran wide receiver. They're looking at a running back. They're looking at potentially adding a veteran backup quarterback. And then they're looking for an offensive tackle if they can find one. So, Things are really going to start heating up here soon in the portal for Auburn. Yeah, we, we were talking earlier on the show why Auburn hadn't gone after more offensive players at this point because so far it's, it's zero. Well, Auburn hasn't brought in anything on the offensive side of the ball. What gives on that front? Has it been just patience wanting to get through spring and then see where they're at going into the summer? Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I think they did want to see a little bit where they were at. You know, initially they didn't really want to bring in an offensive lineman at all because they had so many juniors and seniors, but think they got through spring and started to realize "Mm, I don't know if this is going to work we need to go get someone a little bit more solidified at one of the tackle positions and then same with the wide receivers those guys are very talented but they're very young and they're learning a much more complex system compared to the one that they were previously in so they're a little in over their head and they knew from the get-go that they need to go get another running back so I think they just need to take a little bit of time to see what they had and then also just being patient they're not going to go out and take the first guy that enters the transfer portal. So they're kind of waiting to see what happens. And I think things will really start to pick up over the next couple couple weeks and couple months. And June, um, with the official visits coming back, will be big for that as well. What were some highlights from that Auburn ambush event that we had yesterday? Uh, I would say I'll go through both coaches. Bruce Pearl, uh, I was just writing about it right now, actually, 
his plan for practice this year seems to be a little interesting. Instead of just going straight into team install, he's just going to let the guys play some pickup basketball. You know, he hasn't seen some of these guys ever play. You know, he said he has never really seen Zeb Jasper play outside of watching his film. Um, he hasn't seen Walker Kessler in quite a while. So he kind of wants to see what he's got um, before he starts in the team install. And then with Brian Harson, he did talk about that one-time transfer rule. He was excited by the prospect of it and what it can really do for his team. But like a lot of people, he's a little concerned about some of the possible uh, repercussions of it and what it will do to the college sports. And then Alan Green, Bruce Pearl, and Brian Harson all talked about the new uh, name image likeness rule that was signed by uh, KIV and what Auburn's planning to do with that. Where's Auburn currently at with that name image likeness program or, or, or their plans for that? Because you see some other schools like Alabama that already wheeled out a program, Florida State, I believe, USC also among some other schools like traditional powers in college football that have already wheeled that out. It kind of seems like Auburn may be a little bit behind the curve. Yeah, it was hard to get a little bit of a grasp on it yesterday. I can't tell if Auburn is behind the curve or if they're just playing it a little bit slow and kind of being a little bit careful about what they say they have, and that's kind of where I would lean. It seemed like they had a good plan. Uh, Bruce Pearl had a good plan. Alan Green had a good plan. And Brian Harson all had a good plan. But they were careful about kind of the details that they gave. And uh, Pearl even mentioned, you know, we have to be careful about how fast we go because we might inadvertently be breaking some rules before this stuff really gets finalized. So I think Auburn's just being a little bit careful about what they say early on. And I think I don't think there's really any room for concern about what we've heard from Auburn's standpoint on the NIL law. Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, I want to go back to what you brought up with Bruce Pearl, and everybody loves to talk about basketball this time of year for some reason, just maybe because of the prospect of an elite basketball team next year. But I find that practice plan particularly interesting. Possibly, did he, did he bring up anything about chemistry, maybe, a part of that pickup basketball plan? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think he just wants to see how these guys mold together and kind of see what he's got. You know, he kind of joked a little bit that fans at the uh, ambush event yesterday were asking him, you know, how good is Auburn going to be this year, so-and-so? And he's like, well, you've seen Zepp Jasper and Wendell Green play on film as much as I have, so I couldn't tell you exactly, but he's really looking to see how these guys fit and, you know, just see how they play together. So I think chemistry is definitely a big part of it. You wrote an article the other day about potential lineups for Auburn basketball next season and and kind of going hand in hand with what I just mentioned about chemistry and getting to see those guys play and getting them to build that chemistry preview a little bit of, of the diversity in this Auburn roster as you were exploring those lineups yeah I mean there are so many different ways this lineup can go um, the expected lineup that I put out as of now keep in mind Auburn has two spots open where they can still reel in some pretty big fish um, I put it as Zepp Jasper Devin Cambridge, Alan Flanagan, Jabari Smith, and Walker Kessler. But they also have the option to go small ball, kind of similar to what they did this past season, and run a guy like Jabari Smith or Jalen Williams at center. They have a chance to go big where you would move Jalen Williams or Jabari Smith to the three and then have the other one play the four with Walker Kessler at the five, Alan Flanagan at the two, and then whoever you have at point. And then I put out a lineup that I personally liked as of now, which was Wendell Green at the point. Zeb Jasper playing two because he is a very strong defender. Flanagan at the three, Jabari at the four, and Walker Kessler at the five. And then in that scenario, 
Uh, Zeb Jasper would be the first one on the bench with Devin Cambridge or Desi Sills coming in. And then Zepp would initially, or he would eventually take over for Wendell at point guard, kind of leading that second unit. So even with the way the roster stands now with two spots open, Bruce has a ton to play with, ton of different options that he can do. But like I said, there are still some pretty big guys out there that Bruce has his eyes on. So it would not surprise me to see him land one or even two of those guys and really shake up the way the lineups are. How are you feeling about Desi Sills? Like his playing time, his potential of starting, how do you feel about him on this Auburn team? Yeah, so as of now, I give the starting nod in my lineups to Devin Cambridge simply because he's been here and he's played in Bruce's system. Now, with that said, I think Desi Sills, if he doesn't start game one at the um, shooting guard position, he'll be the starter eventually. I think Desi Sills is good. If you look at his numbers this past year, they weren't fantastic. But when you take into account that he was dealing with an injury during the second half of the season, I think he is a good player. I think he's a pretty strong defender. And he does have some ball handling ability at the two, which is good. So I think he'll I think he'll be a starter eventually for this year's team. Bruce Pearl and wrapping up our conversation here, but Bruce Pearl had some things to say about JT Thor in the NBA draft process. What was your takeaway about where JT Thor's at currently? Yeah, so we've been saying over at AuburnSports.com for quite a while, don't expect JT Thor back. And Bruce kind of said, if JT stays in the draft, he's going to get drafted, which seems like a pretty pretty solid possibility at the moment. So I personally wouldn't expect to see JT back. Bruce didn't really give any indication whether or not he would come back. It's not like Bruce really can. And Bruce noted, too, you know, his job is to win championships at Auburn. But his job is also to get these guys ready to go play at the next level. So whatever JT decides to do, he's going to be happy for him. Christian, I really appreciate it, my man. Thanks for moving up your schedule this week's to Wednesday. Tell everybody where they can find your content. Yes, you can find my stuff over at AuburnSports.com, along with on Twitter at Clemente underscore. Christian, I hope you have a good rest of your week, my man. Have a good evening. Thank you. You guys as well. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on the line with us. And some great, some great conversation points there. When we come back on the other side of this break, we will take a look at the first week of the NFL schedule. Which games catch your eye? All that and more as you're listening to On the Line. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama, as well as airing on Facebook. You can watch the show on Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and ESPN 106.7 Facebook pages. Continuing our conversation now, about Ole Miss football we got into a nice little debate yesterday I love the conversation about it on yesterday's show last segment we ran out of time and I want to crack it wide open yet again which is more likely Ole Miss winning eight or more games or Ole Miss missing a bowl game as well as we'll also get into make or break factors for Ole Miss in 2021 but I don't want to dive into that just yet I want to go back to what we were talking about yesterday. Which is more likely, Ole Miss winning eight or more games or Ole Miss missing a bowl game? Yesterday I said the answer for Ole Miss next season. I still stand by this. Lies somewhere in between winning eight games and missing a bowl game. I see them 
going into this year as like a seven and five team but I do think it's more likely that they win all of their iffy games teams like Tennessee Louisville Arkansas LSU I see them winning those games I see it more likely that they win more of those games than lose those games and get to eight and four in the regular season then I see it being more likely that they lose all of those and miss entirely. Yeah, it's, it's more, in my opinion, it's more likely that they end up winning those games. But because it is a team that does have holes and does have weaknesses that you're looking at, and is a team that, like, when you get to those teams that haven't, that aren't continued, sustained success over years, you're more inclined to see those teams drop a game that they shouldn't. And Ole Miss is one of those teams. They're not they're not Alabama. They're not LSU. When they have talented rosters, you're you're like and when they're you're not always guaranteed to win those games for the most part. Like there are teams where when Alabama would go play them, you rarely see them slip up. Even like not even just lose games, just slip up. And the, those LSU games or those LSU teams of old where they were more talented than other teams, and even Florida under the Urban Meyer years where those teams were they were getting consistent, sustained success. They did not slip. And you could see an Ole Miss team that hasn't had that culture built in down there in the recent years. They've been winning games and they've looked, you know, they've looked flashy. They've got hype. They've got a head coach that everybody like or seems to like around the country. Everybody loves the lane train offense. It's fun. It's flashy. But the issue with those teams are they're also a little bit prone to slip up as well. Because you get one day where the offense just isn't humming. Well, they gave up 38 points a game last year. And that defense, like the defense, wow. is, the defense won't keep you in games where the offense just isn't there. Right. And they lost a couple of games last year where the offense wasn't there. Auburn, they only scored 28. Arkansas, I think they scored like 21 or 22 points. A lot of that was due to the fact that they threw six interceptions in that game. But again, one of those, if you start turning the ball over in one of those games, the defense won't bail you out. And that's. That's an issue that you have when you look at these t- games where you say, you should win this game. You should. As we go through off-season conjecture and projecting for next football season, we're going to do a segment now over the next couple of weeks. Each day, we will take a look at one SEC team, and we will talk about make-or-break factors for those teams in the SEC. I thought it pertinent to do Ole Miss today, even though there was no rhyme or reason to alphabetical order or standing finish last year. Considering we've been talking about Ole Miss so much the last couple of days with this fun topic, I said, well, let's just go ahead and do make or break factors for Ole Miss in 2021 in reference to what we were talking about. More likely Ole Miss winning eight or more regular season games next year and actually achieving what people are projecting them to be a surprise team. And the SEC West, were they one year away last year? Is this the year where the lane train finally is at full speed? Or will Ole Miss be less than outstanding, less than good next season in college football? So let's take a look at some of the make-or-break factors. And when I look at the schedule for Ole Miss, I look at the first five games of the season. I break it up that way. I don't break it up within the first six and the last six. I look at the first five games which is substantially easier than the last seven of the regular season. And I think it's extremely important for Ole Miss to beat Louisville in the season opener and to beat Arkansas after they inevitably lose to Alabama and Tuscaloosa following their bye week. Alabama's their fourth game. Arkansas is their fifth. Arkansas is their homecoming game on Saturday, October 9th. 
I say that it's extremely important for them to do it because look at their first five games. If you beat Louisville, 1-0. Austin Peay's game two, you win that game. Tulane's game three, you win that one. You're 3-0 going into a bye week. You'll lose to Alabama despite the bye week before it. You're 3-1. and one. If you beat Arkansas, you're 4-1. If you were to lose those games, you're looking at 2-2 two and two, and you are 0-2 oh in SEC play before you go into a substantially more difficult last seven games where you're taking on Tennessee on the road, who I expect to be better than they were last year. New head coach coming in with some more influence on the offensive side of the ball. It's got to be better on that side of the football this upcoming year, especially with the insertion of some new quarterback talent into that room in Hendon Hooker from Virginia Tech and Joe Milton from Michigan. They've got LSU at home, Auburn on the road. Liberty is not going to be a slouch. If anything, I would I would say that that's a 50-50 game right now on their schedule considering how good Malik Willis and that Liberty team was last year. They get Texas A&M at home, Vanderbilt at home, and then Mississippi State on the road. You look at those last seven games, the only game that I'd say is a sure win for Ole Miss next season is Vanderbilt. Six yeah. of those seven games are, are not sure wins. They're not sure wins. You like them, and you think they're all like tough. You, you like them in games where you're like, I think that they should win this game, and it's but it's not by it's not by just a big margin. Like you don't feel incredibly confident in saying it, but you do think that they should win certain games on that schedule. So if Ole Miss doesn't handle their business in the first five weeks of the season, beat everybody but Alabama, might be in a tough spot. That's, and might yeah. having to play catch up across their last seven just to try and make a bowl game you can see my point now well, yeah, that was no. actually an interesting question to ask yeah I 100% understand it when we talked about it yesterday I see I understood why you were on that side of the fence I still believe that they win the eight games but it is very possible that they don't that they do drop some of them because I mean, they lost to Arkansas last year they lost to LSU last year these are teams that they did not beat a season ago did Ole Miss get better and did those teams? Did they get good enough to surpass those teams on the school board this year? And those teams, and those teams got better this year. I, I mean, I don't know about LSU as much because I, again, I, I still, think they're a little bit better. I still don't know what they're going to trot out at quarterback, and I think that is just a big glaring weakness for me to look at that team. But Arkansas, I think Arkansas got better, and they beat Ole Miss last year. But did Ole Miss get better enough? And it, this is where, if they want to succeed next year, this is my biggest thing for them. You're going to have to improve defensively I'm not worried about yeah. that offense I, I get it you lost Elijah Moore you lost your boa like I, I but get you it. still return eight starters on that side of the football that's and four or five offensive linemen Jerry and Ely's back at running back Matt Corral and John Rice Plumlee are back at quarterback they don't have their top receivers coming back but they do have two pretty good ones coming back as well yeah you've got talent coming back with the offense I'm not worried about that Lane Kiffin Matt Corral you've got talent on that side of the ball that's fine defense and I look I'm not too too concerned about defense because you've got some guys on there you're returning your defensive backfield they returned 10 starters on yeah I mean you're returning a lot of guys were they good last year no but terrible they played they played better in the Outback Bowl they played better in that bowl game than they had played most of the year still wasn't great but they did play a little bit better but and again you look at it it was against a backup quarterback in Indiana because you know, Penix Jr. was hurt, so you're not. Yeah. So it's not like you you can't really take too much out of that. But at least you go into the off season saying, "Hey, we looked a lot better than we had most of the year." It's a little bit of a confidence booster, if anything, even if it was against an Indiana team with a backup quarterback. And I think the coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's a little too like you have guys on there like DJ Durkin, like he's a guy who has been known to put out some good defensive products. I think that they have the guys there on that defensive side of the ball. 
It's just putting it together. When you return starters, typically you you should see some sort of improvement. And like I get but it. But is improvement on the defensive side of the football still even enough? And I've got that as a make or break factor as well, but they gave up 38 points a game last year to their 39 to their 39 that they scored on offense. In losses, they gave up 47 points a game in their five losses where they still scored 36 a game. So when Ole Miss lost, they were only two below or three points below a field goal below their season average on the offensive side of the ball. This team never really missed a beat on the offensive side, minus one or two games, which every team deals with that. But on the defensive side, they went from horrible to even more horrible in losses. And my question is, even if they improve on defense by a touchdown, they're still horrible on defense because a touchdown difference on defense for them is still giving up 30 a game. But if you're if you're scoring 40 a game, you're winning. It maybe adds one or two more wins, I think. Maybe they beat Arkansas and LSU if they don't if they have a better defense last year, which actually would have put them ahead of Auburn in the standings. Yeah. I they mean, probably I, beat Auburn as well. So that because, maybe that yeah. touchdown is all they need on that side of the football. I think with the offense like the way this offense goes, it's kind of reminiscent of some of those older Oregon teams in like the twenty ten, like with the Cam Those Newton defenses years. were better. Like I mean I don't know. I I, I they held Cam to twenty two. But that's because they had a whole like three mo- or what is it two months to sit sure. there and prep for it. But those Oregon teams, their defenses weren't great. That 2010 Auburn defense wasn't great. If you can play that Ben don't break mentality in today's game, as long as you yeah, can, but there was like a 15 point difference allowed per game between that Auburn defense in 2010 that was only giving up somewhere between like 23 and 25 a game to. But that's what I'm saying. If this Ole de- Miss is 38, that's what I'm saying. If this team improves, if this defense yeah. improves, then that changes the dynamic of what we're looking at. I just don't know if we see a two touchdown difference of improval. You, I mean, you never know. I mean, you could see something like that. It's not that. It's not that far off. That's a lot. Two touchdowns a game? That's a lot. But you also got to think you're going to be playing, like, yes, you're playing more games this year, but you're adding some teams that you should hold a little bit lower Fair. than that. Like that Austin P game Fair. should bring those. Tulane. Like Austin P Tulane should bring those averages down a little bit. To and, be fair, though, the non-conference schedule isn't too easy either. You no, still have that, you Liberty, still got Liberty and Louisville that can score, and those are That's two true. fun quarterbacks. You talk about, I believe, Cunningham at Louisville, Malik Cunningham. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's Malik Cunningham at Louisville, and then you got Malik Willis. The two Maliks in this, non-con- in this non-conference schedule. That, that That's pretty scary. Those guys can play. Louisville's, Louisville's kind of in a similar situation as Ole Miss going into their football season in the ACC. They're, they're looking to be more of a factor. They know they can't win their division, considering Clemson still resides in the Atlantic division, but they very well could finish second in that side of the conference there's some excitement up there in louisville kentucky last make or break factor here about Ole miss in 2021 corral the turnovers and yes that is pun intended matt corral had 14 interceptions last season to go alongside the rebels four total fumbles which isn't terrible they lost four fumbles last year but that's good for 1.8 turnovers per game last year which is definitely enough to lose your football games that you should win I'm looking at that Arkansas game where they lost by double digits because they threw six interceptions. That's Matt Corral's fault. You can't be doing that because you don't have a defense to fall back on. You don't have that. Even if you improve by a touchdown, that's a, that's a sizable improvement on that side of the football. Even if they only give up like 30 points a game this year, that's an eight-point difference from what they were last year. You still don't have a defense to fall back on 
if you're throwing picks and fumbling the football all over, all over the place. Matt Corral has to be better on that front in terms of turning the football over. And I think we saw that after the Ole Miss game, because, or after the Arkansas game, excuse me, because he had six picks against Arkansas. That makes up for nearly half of his interception total last year. So as long as he doesn't have a couple of games where he just sprays the ball to the opponent all over the place and he keeps throwing to the wrong jersey, then it'll be just fine. I mean that's and that's fair. I mean, like you turnovers can absolutely It'll make or break you. It it will definitely make or break a team. I mean, it's something that can absolutely change the dynamic and of Ole a Miss team. had a problem with it last year. I mean, you think about uh think about a pro example. Think about Jameis Winston, where you go look at that thirty thirty year Matt Corral, the Jameis Winston of college football. You can throw thirty <laughs> touchdowns and you can throw for over four thousand yards, but if you're turning the ball over thirty times to every touchdown you're throwing, you're not really helping the team out too much if you can just cut down those turnovers though cutting down the turnovers for Matt Corral could be the absolute difference in a game like this because your defense isn't helping you out you don't throw six you know say you don't turn the ball over six times or you don't throw three four interceptions in a game you're more than likely with the way the offense is going you're converting a good bit of those drives that you didn't turn the ball over you're turning those into some sort of points or even if anything you're getting some better field position out of it and you're not giving them a freebie so Defense coupled with turnovers could absolutely change Ole Miss from a team that we're kind of on the fringe about to an actual contender if that happens. I mean, I don't know if they can actually contend with Alabama, but they could be, you know, they'll be up. fighting for the teams. They'll be fighting with the teams like LSU, A and M, and Auburn for number two. Yes, they would. They would be competing with them because I still think they're number just, three. I think there's too big of a talent gap for them to reach Alabama. But they can SEC's top heavy this year. It's Alabama, yeah. Georgia, and then there's a big gap. Yeah, and big that's gap. and that's that's what's gonna happen. It's unfortunate, but if they don't turn the ball over, if they play defense, you could see them bridge the gap into that two and three spot. On the other side of this break, we wrap up the show. We'll be talking about UAB grad transfer Tony Fair announcing his decision to transfer to Auburn as well as what will we be looking forward to tonight with the NFL revealing its schedule. What are some of the storylines heading into that tonight? We've talked about the week one schedule. What could we look at weeks two through 17 or 18, however many it is. You got 17 games, and there are other 16 are being revealed tonight on your favorite team's NFL schedule. We'll be talking about that coming up on the other side of this break. Wrapping up another edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Hard to believe another show almost in the books, my man. Goes by so fast sometimes. Like, when you're I mean, having so, a blast. Sometimes you just I sit here and next thing I know, I'm on the line and time and Then you're off the line. And then I'm off the line and time <laughs> flies by. And then you're back on the line. That's and just, you're off the line. That's pretty much life, just getting on and off the line. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Sitcoms from 7 to 9 on ABC, starting with the Goldbergs. At 7.30, catch home economics. At 8, it's the Connors. And at 8.30, call your mother. A pair of new episodes of Chicago Med and Chicago Fire at 7 and 8 on NBC. New episodes of Kids Say the Darndest Things at 7. And SEAL Team at 8, both on CBS. The quarterfinals of The Masked Singer is on Fox at 7. And Game of Talents follows it at 8. In live sports, there are two NBA games on ESPN, beginning 
at six. You've got the current 10th seed in the East and the Washington Wizards versus fifth place in the Atlanta Hawks. Russell Westbrook and Trey Young go head-to-head. At 8.30, Portland has tried to avoid the play-in tournament, and with being only one and a half games ahead of the Lakers in the standings, the sixth-place Trailblazers have a tough task against the team currently sitting in first, the Utah Jazz. NHL hockey is on NBC Sports at 8 with the Minnesota Wild at the St. Louis Blues. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Fun NBA schedule. Hard to believe that the NBA season's almost over with and we're into the NBA playoffs. Tonight, the NFL releasing its schedule. What will we be looking at? Storylines going into the NFL releasing its full schedule for the 2021 season. What will you be keeping your eye on? I'm just kind of looking forward because I have actually already seen what my Saints looked like. That leaked out earlier today, so I'm not going to be looking out to them too much because I've already seen what they have How did that get leaked? It got leaked out through Twitter. When you follow enough, um, when you follow enough Saints beat writers on Twitter, things like that get leaked pretty regularly to them and reliable blue check mark sources that I can typically trust with information like that. So I've already seen that one. Um, I'm going to look forward to what teams that, what teams are fringe talent, like maybe like a Miami Dolphins. Where you know it's, I mean, it's a talented roster, but fringe playoff teams. I'm sorry, you got to get schedule breaks. Like that's a big part of the Browns making the playoffs last year. I won't lie, it was an easy schedule. Yeah, you want to see like what some of these teams and even some of the more talented teams, like the Cleveland Browns, like what does their schedule fare out? We know the week one's hard, but where does it shape up after that? You know, hey, next 16 weeks got to be a lot easier now that you got the Chiefs out the way. And we know all of the, we know all the teams that they're playing. That's been forever, but. There are, how do they fall? How does that fall? Because, I mean, if you if you look at the end of the year and you have to play at Green Bay, at Kansas City, and you maybe have a, a, a Tampa Bay at home sandwiched in there, like, that's brutal, man. And, I mean, yeah. some of these teams that you didn't expect to be as good as they might be next year, where you look at it and you're like, wow, this team's, team should be a lot better. Say, say Trevor Lawrence comes out slinging it. The Jags go from, oh, I got the Jags on the schedule. That's awesome, too. I got to play Trevor Lawrence, and he—I mean, I doubt that rookie quarterbacks tend. Well, to that was me with Joe Burrow last year in the Bengals. Yeah, you're not expecting him to play. Looked to excellent that in Week Two. It made when a he play, close yeah. game. When they play, I think that game came down to an onside kick, if I'm not mistaken. Thursday night, it was one possession. Yeah, and one it was possession, death yeah. by a thousand cuts. Joe Burrow was just dinking and dunking, and was looking great. You, week Two, Thursday night football. Cleveland and Cincinnati, man, that that was giving me anxiety. I was like, and man, you, what if what if Cleveland's not good? Again, yeah, I mean, they were good, and you yeah, that's true. They made the playoffs. You look at some of these uh, younger quarterbacks and how their schedule lines up, and you might look at a young quarterback and look at the schedule and see they got to play what you perceive maybe some top defensive teams in the NFL, and you're thinking, man, if they put him out there this early and start him this early, this might shake his confidence and rock his career. Like you want to see Patriots schedule included mac jones not in line to secession just yet or at least to play but he is in line for secession excuse me he is in line to secede cam newton at some point what does that schedule look like because if cam's playing some tough defenses early on and can't get things going you might see mac jones walk into a situation where cam weathers the storm early on against great teams and then mac jones gets to walk into an easier schedule same with the bears you might see him trot andy dalton out there if they have a tougher schedule and you might think Let's let's hold on to Justin Fields and not trot him out against Aaron Donald the first game of the year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Justin Fields ain't playing Aaron Donald week no, one. No, it's Andy no. Donald. Insurance policy, my man. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron following us here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You know where to find us.